because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. All right, coaches, welcome to today's podcast. I'm super excited to have Jack Owens here. Jack is going into his fourth year at Miami University and is well on his way to turning that program back into national prominence. Uh, Of course, Miami has great tradition, which I know we'll get into, but it had been seven years at Miami since they made the postseason uh, when coach got the team there in the 17-18 season. Uh, And uh, a number of accomplishments over the last little while, advancing to Cleveland two of the last three years, and then beating Buffalo on the road in the MAC tournament last year. And we know how hard that is. Number of players recognized as well, which means recruiting is going in the right direction. So coach, thanks for joining us. No, thank you for having me. Obviously, man, this is a a regular for me, listen to your podcast. It's one of the, you know, arguably the best podcast that's out there that's going. I know I have a lot of friends and coaches who, who listen to your podcast. So just truly honor for you to have me on today. Thank you. Well, that's fine. That's great to hear. And I know we'll have some great conversations. And uh, coach, let's start with maybe the first steps. The first steps when you take over a program are getting it to a level where you can compete and move it in the direction you want to move in. So can you talk a little bit about some of those first steps? Yeah, well, first of all, um, you know, establishing a staff, you know, that that, 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 that you believe in and trust. And I uh, just want to talk about my staff real quick, if I could, with, you know, Coach Rudder, uh, who's, you know, who's, who's been, you know, um, in college coaching for a while, you know, under seven, eight head coaches from, uh, Coach McDermott to, uh, uh, you know, Fred Hogberg, who's at, who's at um, you know, Iowa State right now. And, uh, you know, he's just, you know, just a great guy. And Coach J.R. Reynolds, who uh, who I actually coached his senior year uh, at Eastern Illinois where I played. And Coach Kenny Lowe, and, um, you know, who's a, a great assistant as well, was back-to-back defense player of the year in the Big Ten. And Damon Fireson, who was a top five scorer in school history here at Miami, just a great mentor um, here for for me and a great assistant. And Kyle Nolinger, who was a, a manager and GA here at, at Miami, who does a great job as well. So first of all, just establishing the staff that you trust and uh, that believes in the vision moving forward. And uh, just going forward and to your question in regards to getting the program to a certain level, it obviously starts with recruiting. You know, you, you have to identify guys that that, that are good enough and then obviously that belongs here in Miami so talk to me well I want to go two places with that maybe the first curious question for a lot of people is when you form your staff like are some of those coaches people you didn't know previously and didn't have relationship with that were recommended or are they largely people that you already have connections with yeah, um, most of the guys on my staff, uh, is, you know, I, I, I've known, you know, Coach Rudder was a guy who I knew of from the Missouri Valley days, but just a, uh, a guy that's well respected throughout our, our, our profession, uh, Coach Rudder is. And then the other guys from, um, you know, Coach Reynolds uh, was a guy I coached. Damon Fireson was an AU teammate of mine and grew up playing against and together in high school in, in, in Indianapolis. And then Coach Lowe uh, was a guy who came on, was assistant video coordinator 
uh, with me when I was at Purdue and Calvin Olinger was a, a manager there for us. So, so, so those guys I knew, but coach Rudder was a guy I never worked with, but, but knew of, and, and just establishing a staff that, you know, that, that can, you know, get along, work hard and, and do things the right way. And that's what we have here. Uh, and that, you know, it's going to help us uh, get the program going in the right direction. Well, of course, you you have that there, but it's not that simple, is it? Like in terms of bringing players in and bringing staff in, you've still got to work with them to be able to develop that type of thing. And we talk a lot about players and building that culture around your players, but you have to do that around your staff, too. Absolutely. You have established a staff that, that, you know, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, obviously. You, so you want to uh, get a staff that, that gels together. But at the end of the day, there's no egos, guys who are going to work hard and, and put the program uh, first, you know, and that's what we have. And that's very important. Uh, establishing a staff that, that, that works hard and uh, that's knowledgeable of the game and, and so on. And obviously I have a staff that, you know, um, you know, they cover up all my, my blind spots or my, my weaknesses and they do a great job of that. And uh, you know, and I feel very fortunate to have a staff that's been here uh, going into our fourth year. Everybody's been here together. Yeah, that's fun. That's great experience. And, you know, for coaches that are, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, like I do, for coaches that are looking to get into college basketball, you know, the number one thing is still developing the relationships, right? Right, for sure. You know, you you have to establish relationships and it's hard. Obviously, we're going through a pandemic right now, but, you know, it's coaches trying to get in the profession. It's it's relationship driven. You know, I I think, uh, you know, no matter what now there's situations where uh, guys are, you know, you you hear about and, 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 you know, your close friends and basketball is a small world. You know that everybody talks to each other and everybody knows everyone for the most part, but it is relationship driven and you want to hire guys are good guys, good people. And, who are going to do it the right way. And, and, and that's what it's truly about. I, I always tell guys who, who are trying to get in it, that's the hardest part, getting your foot in the door uh, to in, in coaching, because we're all very fortunate to be coaching this game. And, you know, I wake up every morning and thank God that I have this opportunity to coach here in Miami and move this program forward. But it's about getting yourself established and, and getting your foot in the door, then working hard at the, you know, where you're at, you know, so it's very important for you to establish yourself where you're at and not always looking forward, you know, I was very fortunate to work for Coach Painter and uh, Chris Lowry, Coach Samuels, who I played for, you know, and then to before that, Tommy Collins, you know, um, you know, Coach Wolf and and those guys, everybody I I, I play, you know, moving up the chain or if, if you want to call that, it was guys I played for, you know, for the most part. And, and those guys were able to bring me along. And I, I truly believe in helping guys who help me as well. But at the same time, you also want to give someone a chance and as you move forward. And that's what it's about, you know, uh, just trying to help someone, um, you know, move forward as, as you move forward as well. I know you're the right guy for this question because you've been through the profession in a lot of different ways. And it's, so what is the actual advice you give to a coach? Like what's the best way to start to form the relationships? Is it in person at recruiting events, introducing themselves? Is it emails? Is it phone calls? You know, working camps isn't quite what it used to be, but what are the best ways now in your opinion? I, I would say the emails and phone calls and, and not overdoing it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think um, along those lines. And like I said, it's you know, if if my assistant know if someone if we have an opening or um, Coach Painter or Coach Lust, a guy I work with, or Rick Ray or you know, Conzo Martin. Um, who's at Missouri, any of those guys, you know, that, that, you know, if I have an opening, I'm going to obviously listen to, but 
establish those relationships where you're sending emails or making phone calls and just working hard. You know, I think that if you have a reputation of a guy who works extremely hard and uh, do things the right way, I, I truly believe you will get opportunity. Then you have to make the best of that opportunity. And 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 I start out in the junior college ranks. And I tell a lot of people, I said I was very fortunate for Coach Tommy Collins to give me opportunity, but I made four hundred eighty-six dollars a month. You know, in my first job, and you know, it was a opportunity to 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 get in the profession. I jumped at it and very grateful for that opportunity and was able to work for him and just work my way up and truly a, a blessing for that that opportunity to get get started. Shifting a little bit back to to your program and the success, and I'm curious, does taking a job where you know they have had past success make it more appealing? And then depending on that answer, of course, how do you tap into that tradition to help your current team? You are correct. Um, obviously, um, here at Miami has great tradition. You know, we have 21 conference tournament championships. And, you know, you see that in, in a guy like Damon who played with Wally and, you know, um, a long laundry list of really good players. And before that, you know, uh, there, there was great tradition with Ron Harper and, and guys like Wayne Embry. You know, there's great tradition here and you want to go somewhere that's done it, that's that's shown or you've seen that has had uh, you know, uh, NCAA tournament runs to to Mac to conference tournament championships. All those things are very important when you want to take over a job uh, that that you think that 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 you can get back to a level of having that kind of success. So, what are some ways that you tap into that for your, to help your current players and your current team? Is it just a matter of connecting them a little bit with the past, or what type of ways do you help them understand that tradition can help them? Well, first of all, we try to bring as many former players or alumni back as we can. And, and we talk about uh, the past as well. You know, guys like uh, Damon, who had great uh, success here uh, on and off the court, you know, because Miami is a great academic institution as well. We, we talk about those things, about the tra- tradition of what Ron Harper and the kind of player he was here and how he was able to elevate the program and try to get back to, you know, those guys coming back. Like we had Ron Harper back on campus, one of the best best games that we play, you know, we, we play Bowling Green here and it was a great atmosphere. And, you know, we had former players back and it, it was awesome just to have him back in the building, um, you know, and, and Wally Zerbiak's been back two of our three years. And, you know, guys, when they come back like that, it was going, you know, went on to play at the NBA level, I think is, is, is very important. But for them to come back and have a voice and guys are able to see um, guys, former players who have the, the success that they've had, it definitely helped move the program forward. Yeah, it's fun. It's got to be fun to coach at a place where you, you've you seen it be done before, so you expect that you can do it again. And I want to get into so two areas that you kind of outlined for me prior to this, which which I thought were really interesting. And I haven't really deep dived into one of them for sure, is the areas of personal growth that you outline in your program. And maybe first, let's talk about the use of personality tests within your program and maybe share the what and the why. Yeah. Well, the personality test is, is something we did at Purdue and uh, definitely, um, you know, we, we had a guy there that, that was great. And uh, we have a guy here on camp on our campus um, who did who, who, who implement the personality test for us. It's just give us an idea of who the guys are in recruiting. You dive in and, you know, you, you want to know 
you know, A to Z about the recruit. But until you get them on campus, you really don't know who they are, you know, and, and as far as the day-to-day interactions and the personality test is identify some things of, you know, how you can coach an individual. You know, some guys, as far as coaching, um, they don't want to be confronted in, in front of their entire team. It might be a situation where you send a text message or you make a phone call at night and say, hey, this is the, these, these are the areas that you need to improve in. Uh, where some guys, it doesn't matter if, if you correct them in front of uh, the entire team and they can handle it and they appreciate it and they want it. You know, some guys say, coach, stay on me, you know, stay on me in, in, in any manner. We're not calling them out or cussing them out or doing those kind of things, but there's accountability um, and, and building those relationships, the personality test identifies certain areas that are, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, and we try to implement them and uh, use them to our advantage and, and when we're coaching them, you know, and, and guys embrace that. They appreciate uh, those things, but the personality tests definitely are areas that, that, that we try to, to improve our culture and, and communicate to our players directly. Hey coach, a quick interruption from this episode for a mention from our supporters who, without them, this podcast would not be possible. By using the links I mentioned in these advertisements, it enables me to continue providing this podcast for free for you. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR, that's ARMCHAIR in all capitals, to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, I love it because having done it once or twice before, uh, what it allows, it empowers a player to basically know themselves better too, which is sometimes uh, I found myself communicating to a certain player who is very self-aware and they were able to basically stop me and say, coach, remember, I don't, I, I don't produce that way, or I don't listen that way, or I don't communicate that way best. Here's how best to communicate with me. It's kind of like these reminders of self-awareness. Uh, you, you're right on, you know, you, you are a coach and you understand, uh, you know, to, to get someone to perform, because at the end of the day, as a coach, you know, we, we can have all these great ideas of how we want to game plan or do this or that. But at the end of the day, to get the guys to, to do those things to the best of their ability, you know, the personality test allows you to have a relationship to, to, to get them to understand how you want to move things forward. And and you're right. It's, it's very important um, to to. To, to the the guys to have an understanding of what you want, but you're drawing it out, um, and each and every guy is different. So you want to be able to touch them and understand that you know we have a job to do, but we we can go about it in different ways, and how we manage each guy is very important. Yeah, that's great. It's 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 cool cool to hear, and uh, it's also something that obviously you have tried in the past through your experiences with Purdue. Did you find that you tweaked some of it? for your current team and your current program? Yes, because it's different. You know, uh, uh, Coach um, Matt Painter, you know, he, he does a great job of, you know, getting to know his guys and getting the most out of his guys. But this was a tool that he brought to the table um, with his guy. And then when we when we came here to Miami, we actually have someone 
one on our campus who, who does something very similar uh, to that. And, and basically what, what it allows you to do is get to know your guys um, on, on a different level. You know, like I said, in recruiting, you're asking tough questions. You want to know everything about them. But the one thing you do not know is the interaction, how they learn and how they react to certain things. And by having the personality test, it helps you identify some areas to help you coach them. Yeah, it's very cool. It's great to hear. Uh, and the next area of growth that uh, I was curious about is this this concept of individual interventions. Yeah. It means a lot to a lot of different people, but I'm curious what it means in your program. It's big. It's another thing that we did at Purdue, and it's it's a great deal because you know you have everyone who who t- who's who's involved in your program in a meeting. And it's a one-on-one deal with a player, you know, where the meeting is uh, from our strength coach, academic advisor to our trainer, you know, any, anyone who touched our players is in this meeting and they shed light on the positives and the negative or whatever it may be in that meeting. And our guys walk out of there knowing exactly uh, where they stand. And they appreciate that because, you know, like we had our freshmen come on campus, you know, we, we have them meet with our nutritionists. We have them, you know, meet with our shrimp coach, you're making this player profile um, of each guy. And that's just, you know, because each guy is different. You have guys who need to gain weight. You have guys who need to lose weight. So everything is different and we're trying to uh, get the best out of our guys. So when we have enough data, you know, like we did it before the season, you know, you have two or three months with the guys and, and, and obviously each year you do this as you know the freshmen sophomores and seniors they're they have this every year but they walk out of that meeting understanding exactly how we want to move forward you know and 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 everybody every coach on our staff have a voice and and they're talking to them you know uh, because we divide up guys from academic standpoint so each coach assistant coach or staff member have three or four guys and and they talk about the academic side of it along with the basketball development side and and then our strength coach would go and each assistant coach would go and and I'll end the the meeting uh, with the overall uh, of uh, what we would like each guy to do and and I the guys are appreciative of it you know because they know exactly where they stand and how they need to improve and uh, what they need to work on uh, to help our team move forward and it's very important uh, for them to understand exactly where we're at and, and the guys appreciate the meeting well I appreciate the individual attention I'm imagining too right which is something that uh, you know it, it's it's hard to balance as a head coach especially isn't it yeah, it is because each guy is 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 different, you know. I and 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 that's what you have to understand that, you know, you want to have relationships with the guys that they understand um, what's expected of them. And the and the intervention it draws it all out. You know, this is what you need to improve on from an academic standpoint. These are the areas that we can help you. Are you maximizing the resources that you have, and and how can we help you? At the end of the day, uh, the intervention is is what it's about, uh, and it's not only uh, giving us opportunity to speak, but it's giving the player the opportunity to speak on how we can help them in, in the areas that you know, it, you know, if they're doing something well, we're saying if there if there's a struggle, we're talking about it, we're talking through it, and they, like I said, they appreciate that because it also gives them a voice as well, and the individual attention is great because. Each guy is getting the, you know, having the means. We have our walk-ons. They're doing the same thing, you know, and it's great because 
the vision is 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 being laid out in front, and 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 they appreciate having the direct and uh, conversation with our entire staff. And it's great that uh, that our support staff feel value as well because they're speaking in their area as well. If it's even from a you know guy showing up to get their ankles taped, if they're coming you know, if they're late or, you know, whatever it may be, it's getting drawn out in that meeting. They appreciate that as well. No, it's great stuff. And uh, you've talked about it. Uh, I've heard you talk about this as uh, creating an experience that players will remember and have fun doing it. Can you talk about the ways? Because again, sometimes those two things don't go hand in hand in the sense that this is big time collegiate athletics and we've got to win and we've got to move forward and everyone wants to obviously play professional, all those different things. Can you talk about that a little bit about creating that experience and then having them have fun too? Yeah, winning is number one. That's our job is to win. But also our job is also graduate. Our mission here at Miami is graduating champions. And, and that's what we're working towards. When I first got here, I talked about, hey, even if it doesn't look like um, we're ready to win championship, we're going to conduct ourselves in that manner. And we're going to work each, each and every day and we're going to work hard and we're going to do things the right way. But also at the same time, it's not a, you know, I'm not a drill sergeant. I want the, you know, we're going to hold guys accountable, but I want them to have fun doing so. So everything we do is from a competitive standpoint. A lot of our drills and practice are competitive and guys are competing and playing hard. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we walk off the practice court, you know, I want the guys to understand it's a bigger picture here. You know, it's more than basketball basketball, um, you know, when they walk off the court and I want them to understand um, in the meantime, enjoy this because this is the should be the best time of your life when you're playing at the collegiate level. But it's also competitive. And, um, you know, with, with everything else going on this year, you know, I, I don't want to add any added stress um, to the guys. But at the end of the day, um, we want to prepare, um, you know, like champions in every area and we want to compete and do so. But at the same time, we want to have fun in the, uh, doing the process as well. And do you find you set the tone for that? Like I often say that yeah, obviously the leader sets the tone. Like if you're relaxed and you're free and you're having fun at the same time, you're coaching them hard, that tends to set the tone for it. Is that your personality? Absolutely. You know, I, you know, uh, coach Samson, I was at a clinic. He talked about, you know, the head coach and your point guard and your best player can't have a day off. I, I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and, and that's true. And I, I can't come in with a, with low energy. You know, I think it's very important that, that we set the tone, um, uh, how practice is going to be, you know, but at the same time, uh, I want the guys to have fun, you know, you make a good pass, you know, uh, man, uh, let the guy know, man, great pass or, you know, embrace that opportunity whenever you have success and enjoy it, you know, and, and, and those things are important. That's contagious. If, if I'm coming in with energy and the guys are coming in with energy and effort and they're maximizing uh, those things, but at the same time, embrace those little things uh, like a good pass, a guy take a charge and, and you, you run, help them up and, and those kind of things. But I want the guys to have fun uh, throughout our practice and games as much as they can. This may be hard to answer in this in this kind of format, but I'm curious and from Purdue and obviously the tremendous success there and Coach Painter, obviously we can't say enough about him, but coming from that program to now starting your own program, was there anything you were surprised that didn't transfer or translate as well as you might thought from a, a big Big Ten program to a mid-major? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the talent uh, when you first take over a program, it, you know, depending on the situation. Like if you're if you're taking over a program that 
that that has the talent already there and is at a championship level, um, then then you can come in and just I think you can just keep going where um, you know where we came in a situation where we 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 had to establish um, you know as far as you know how we go about our business and winning is the most important thing. Um, the talent level was different when we, if that, if that answered your question to where, you know, you're trying to establish certain things, you can't do what you did at Purdue right away. Um, when you take over a program, it, it takes time to develop, uh, the talent and, and, and getting them to understand, uh, from a culture standpoint, how to conduct their business, um, to the best of their ability. And, and that's, you know, that, you know, that doesn't translate right away. Yeah. And that makes sense, obviously, that way. But like going back to what you talked about at the beginning about recruiting, you were able to bring in a pretty good recruiting class in a really short time. Right. And and that's that's got to be part of this kind of initial thrust that has obviously helped your program. But then I'm curious with that, then are are they somewhat attracted to you and the program you're going to build because of your past experience at Purdue as well? Yeah. You, you know what? I, I was very fortunate. Our staff did a great job. We signed six guys. Chris, yeah, it's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys in a short period of time, and a lot of coaches who take over a program. It, you know, it's it's like catch twenty two. Like I, you know, there's no wrong or right answer to this, but we were able to sign six guys, and they were good players. You know, I always talk about it when we came. We were able to get guys to play hard. You know, now as we transition, we want to continue to play hard, but understand why we're doing what we're doing with with the purpose of playing hard you know what I mean so like um understanding um you know how important it is to take care of their bodies to train to watch film to continue to work to get better but we were able to sign six guys we had a point guard who was top 10 in the country in assistant steals I mean that speaks for itself we had a guy who became freshman of the year we had another guy who was on the all freshman team and then we had a junior college kid and uh Bam Bowman who you know uh he, he was injury you know he, he had injuries throughout his career here but he was a guy we had for three years who was skilled could score with his back to the basket but he was a great teammate you know one of the best teammates we had he graduated uh last year but at the same time um you know he, he you know he was a great guy you know when you take over a program you, you're signing guys um but but you don't have the time to to build those relationships that I'm talking about now from a, a character standpoint really getting to know guys uh that's why the uh um, you know, the personality tests and everything else you can do to get to know guys on a short period of time, it helps you as a coach. And, 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 and we were able to land from a talent standpoint. I, I thought we, we did a great job and we have had early success and now to be able to take it up a notch and, and move from where we were at in our first year. I think now we have the locker room in place where our talent's good. Uh, guys understand what it takes to win. And, and it's great to hear guys talking and understanding like it's, it's not the coach it's not a coach-led team as much you know as we always hear hey a player-led team is the best is the best team and we're transitioning that we you know we have 10 upperclassmen this is the most um upperclassmen we've had you know where we built this thing with young guys and you know we've only had two guys transfer out you know i think that speaks for itself where you have you know guys who are believing um, and, and what we're doing. And we have now we have five seniors and five juniors. You know, if we can continue to do that and where, you know, you get old and you stay old, 
the guys are going to, you know, they're, they're, they're going to take ownership of this program and we're, we're going to be able to move it forward and stay there. And, and that's what it's about. You know, you want to get old, stay old. I know it's a old cliche of, you know, you hear that from coaches, but what's experience is something you can't substitute in games. And we're in a really good league with good coaches and players. Um, you need that experience to help you help you win games, especially close games. Coach, we're going to continue to talk about uh, your program and your culture, but let's focus on that relative to the defensive side, where I know you've had great success uh, as a program early on. Can you can you maybe just start give us an outline of the styles and principles for your defense? Yeah, well, well, we're a man-to-man defensive team. We, we apply pressure full court with our point guard. Uh, when the shot goes up, we're all about setting our defense and trying to keep uh, the the other team out of transition, where we're not giving up layups or open rhythm threes, because that's what it that that's what hurts you. You know, when when you're talking about the transition. Uh, defensive portion. So when the shot goes up, we, you know, we, we do what we call jammer safety. Our point guard gets to the keyhole. And, and uh, I heard Coach Painter talk about this when I was with him where, you know, you you go back and you look at our point guards. That's why they have a um, higher number of offensive rebounds because we have our point guard get to the keyhole and they pick up any loose change that's there. So any long rebound or rebound that comes to the keyhole is what we call it. They they get those rebounds and and and, and we kick it out. And if we get a wide open three right away in rhythm, we would take that. If it, but if not, we want to um, you know get a quality shot. But it starts with our with our guy getting to the keyhole and our safety getting back. So on every shot and what we do, we want to establish where, um, you know, we want to get the ball stopped with our jammer. We want our safety to get back. And the other guys are going to the offensive glass and trying to uh, get offensive rebounds and putbacks. But that's how we start our defense, where we're picking up full court with our point guard. Our safety's getting back. Then the other three guys are um, getting back as well. And we're trying to establish a presence right there. But we've been very fortunate to have guys who, who, who've embraced the jamming. You know, because you got to have guys who are are going to pick up full court and apply that pressure uh, to keep the ball out of transition right away. And when there's a dead ball, we're even, we're a little bit more aggressive. Where we're going to get the ball stopped right away. We're going to get uh, we're not going to allow free ends, is what I call it. We're not going to allow that first catch. So that guy can be more aggressive up his line and and more of a deny. Uh, standpoint to where we're not allowing that first pass. And then we're going to apply pressure on every catch where we're closing out. We're keeping the ball at the middle. Uh, we're staying connected to the best of our ability. And and, and I know it's a work in progress, progress for us to continue to do those things, but I think we can have our best defensive team because of our bigs can be on their line and help and then ball screen D. But um, that's how we try to start everything. We, we, we started with our jammer safety where we're picking the ball up. Uh, full court and our safety's getting back and the other three guys are going to rebound. Well, I'm glad we're getting into this because I think there's a lot of questions about this. First of all, just quickly define keyhole uh, for everyone. The keyhole is the the nail. Uh, it's where, um, you know, where, where, where that nail is at on the free throw line is what we call the keyhole area. And that could even go to the top of the key. So that's where our point guard goes or the guy who we, um, um, uh, who we tell the jam, who, who who we assign the jam on every possession. That's an important piece for us because we tell the guy to get to the keyhole and he's got to get there because that allows you to get right or left at any time on who's bringing the ball up the court. And we want that guy to get stopped as soon as we can. And obviously the safety is a guy who gets all the way back. So a lot of the a lot of the anal, uh, analytics point to the fact that a lot of offensive rebounds go to the nail area. 
So this is what dictates this philosophy a little bit is that your point guard uh, is not just in a great position to be able to jam. He's in a great position to be able to offensive rebound. Have you noticed that play out with the stats as well? Yes, that's, that's, that is something I, uh, like I said, it was our uh, coach, coach printer brought it up in one of our meetings. He was, he was, he was speaking at a clinic and uh, a guy brought, it to his attention and and coach was like yeah you're right you know and 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 at the end of the day um we have seen that we have seen Makai Lowry get a you know uh, a long rebound or get to the nail hole and um and and be able to get that rebound there and keep keep the possession alive or you know we had a guy in you know Darren Ringo who was great as well jamming he would get to that keyhole and and be able to get those those long rebounds or or what we call the loose change where, where where the ball is bouncing a few times times to get that rebound but you're exactly right in regards to the keyhole hey coach a quick interruption from this episode for a mention from our supporters who without them this podcast would not be possible by using the links i mentioned in these advertisements it enables me to continue providing this podcast for free for you the wait is finally over football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR, that's ARMCHAIR in all capitals, to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Listen up, fellows, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. The Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weed. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Now back to the podcast. Talk to me then. uh, If the jammer doesn't get the offensive rebound, what is their responsibility? To get to the opposing team's point guard or to just get to wherever the ball is? See, it's, it's transition. So now they have to get to the level. You know, if, if there's a different guy who is bringing it and we're not jamming that guy, obviously there's a primary ball handler for, for a lot of teams. And sometimes there's two. You know, you might have a, a guy, uh, you know, who plays the two. who's a combo guard who would bring the ball up. But we want to jam whoever brings it up. And if that, for whatever reason, the, the guy uh, that we're jamming is not bringing it up, he needs to sprint back and get level. And, and that's where a lot of times if that two guard is bringing the ball up and you're not level, that guy can get into the middle of the floor. And we do not want that to happen where they're breaking us down. And, and then, you know, we always say 
say bad things happen because we're we're not a, a, a pack line team that force middle. So we always say the you know there's bad things that happen when it gets to the middle of the floor. We want to keep the ball at the middle as much as we can. So you're trying to force the Jams trying to keep the ball to the while putting pressure on the ball. They're trying to keep the ball outside of the middle. Yeah, first objective is to get the ball stopped. Right. That's what we want. We 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 want the ball to get stopped, but at the same time, if we are not able to do that, we want to have constant pressure on that ball handler who's bringing the ball up the court. What type of technique are you working with them on? I mean, traditionally, if we go back twenty years ago, you're doing zigzag drills. Right. What are you doing right now in terms of teaching technique to be able to jam it and keep the ball in front? You're right. It is zigzag drills. We we have a drill we call man in the hole. Okay, where a guy is is picking up a guy full court, he's zigzagging. He would do that, you know, two or three times. And then uh, on the third trip, we would go live at half court. You know, that's a great drill for us. We have drills, um, a lot of drills where you you can think of, uh, okay, how can we pick up the ball full court, apply pressure without getting beat? You know, we're really good guards. It's very important that you understand that you have to apply pressure where you're not getting broken down, where the ball is getting stopped. But then that goes to hand where we have our, our bigs, what we call we, they cup. They stay in line. They're in line with the basketball at all times. So, you know, if it's a situation where it's a dead ball situation where we can pick up and jam, that five man will stay in line and, and cup the basketball to the best of his ability because we want the ball stopped and we want the, uh, the opposing team to play in the half court as much as we can. Cup just for coaches uh, is to be able to help stop the ball or help take away space. So recover to help, don't recover to your check and transition, right? You are correct. And that's very important because a lot of times when you get big guys coming from high school or, or whatnot, uh, they run to the paint. And, and now that the game is played on the perimeter a lot, you have stretch fours and fives who are going to stretch the floor. You have to be able to run and stay in line with the basketball. And, and we talk about it a lot. And it's a it's something that we do daily because it's very important that we get the ball stopped, that the big stay in line. Because if there if there's a drag or a double drag, you have to be able to stay in line and stop the basketball. And we talk a lot about that and we work on those scenarios right there. And it could be a deal where, you know, it's, it's two on two, three on three. Um, you know, we build it up um, and I know you're big on, hey, five on five, get out there and do it, uh, you know, five on five. And, and you will learn and you will see the mistakes that are happening when, when, when you're when you're five on five and you can correct those and, and work on them on the daily, daily daily basis. Well, I love this. And thank you for deep diving on this, because I think this is this is really cool. And I heard Coach Painter talk about this in clinic once, and it makes sense to me. Beyond the jammer, then, who is the safety and what is their maybe their first, second responsibility? When the shot goes up, when you're the safety, you get back. Um, but if that guy who we elect to be the safety, if, if he shoots the basketball, the other guard gets back. So there's always a guy who's designated to jam. OK, but if let's say the safety takes a, a shot in the deep corner, he shoots a deep three. The other guard has to be disciplined enough to get back um, and to be the safety then. And are you saying that could be the jammer or is that usually the third guard? The third guard. The yeah, jammer okay. is going to be the jammer. You There's know, no great. other thing for the jammer. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So it's simplified. You know, our transition D has been set where our, where our jammers get into the keyhole. Uh, our safety obviously is getting back and, and, and we want to try to get the ball stopped as soon as we can. And are bigs recovering and uh, one of them's cupping and one of them's trying to recover to relieve the safety? Yeah, this, see, the safety is very important. That's got to be the guy who, who who communicates the best on your team. 
he, he's got to be able to put the fire out and is he's got to be able to talk. He's got to be able to get people in position um, to, to get the ball stopped and then obviously f- locate shooters. You know, the safety has to be able to get back, get centered, get turned around and obviously put out the fire as far as we do not want dunks or layups. So then when that happens in the flow, as people are running back and figuring out where they're at, we work because we work on transition D and everybody does it. Um, however you do it, if you're doing it in rush, disadvantaged basketball, uh, you, you're going to work on that that guy getting back. We just put a name to it and say you're the safety. You get back, you you turn you get turned around, and you put the fire out to the best of your ability as soon as you can. Um, and 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 that's important because there's a lot of times the ball is getting skipped ahead. Now he's got to make a decision. If there's a guy at the rim, you're not coming out. I always say you you can't close out to a dunk. We can close out to a three-point shot, and that's our deal. We don't want to give up layups or dunks. We want to have people taking contested shots and playing in half court. So that's very important for us to get our D set and, and keep the ball out of transition. I like that. And you talked about the problem already, and we can talk about the half court. We can talk about the full court. But, you know, the challenge nowadays is to be able to give up no layups and then take away open rhythm threes. Can you talk about that second part a little bit then in terms of what you're trying to teach your players to be able to take away rhythm threes? Yeah, it's very important. Those guys that are running back, like you mentioned, the the fours and fives who, who we want in transition to get back, get turned around, get to their man so that if they if they need the cup, far as staying in line with the ball we want that to happen uh but those other guys it's very important for them to sprint back get turned around and get mashed up as soon as they can and that's important and because in transition you don't have a man you know what i mean we we talk about it we drill it we want to get the ball stopped with our jammer uh if not we want that every dribble that he takes we want that pressure there we want our safety back uh, you know, putting out the fire and helping us get matched up. And it requires a guy to talk. And the other guys who went to crash the glass, they have to sprint and get back and get turned around. Because when you play a team like a Buffalo, you you, you have to be able to do it um, or they're going to score 100 points on you. So those things are very important for us to uh, get the ball stopped, sprint back, get turned around and get the ball stopped to the best of our ability. And it requires discipline to guys um, to not only when you're running back, if you're on the strong side, we have to get the ball stopped. But if you're running back to the weak side, you have to be able to run, get to the midpoint, locate where the ball is at, get turned around and understand we have to get we got we have to put the fire out. We have to get the ball stopped, you know, no matter what they're doing. If it's a like I mentioned, a drag, double drag, off ball, down screen, you got to be able to stay tight, get matched up. So we're not giving up those pitch ahead rhythm threes. So if the safety feels there's a guy who's going to get a rhythm three, he's got to be able to get turned around, get the, we, we want the ball stopped, but also contest a, a rhythm shot. Well, it's, it's going to be such an important part of the game moving forward in that way. And how does that connect with your closeouts just in general, how you teach closeouts and then what, what kind of points of emphasis you're using? Are we talking stick hand? Are we talking two hands up? Are we talking choppy steps? What is your closeout philosophy? We're, we're talking all that uh, hands up with your butt down, um, you want to keep, you don't want to get blown by. And it, and that varies, Chris, like for me, it might be different than for you. You know, some guys like, like myself, it, it struggled for me to keep the ball at the middle. So I'm at the close out short, keep the ball at the middle, high hands. And, and you want um, to contest the shot, but we don't, we do not want to give up middle. So it's very important for us to close out um, to keep the ball out the, out the middle and it's dependent on the person, how you're going to close out. You're going to chop your feet, uh, to keep the ball at the middle is very important and not allow a guy just to blow by you. Uh, because I always, always say, guys, we can't 
uh, allow the ball to get to the middle because now we're, we're, we're putting ourselves in rotations. Because if you can close out um, and chop your feet, two hands are up, your butt is down, and you're keeping the ball at the middle, you're doing your job. And, and if the guy is going to make a, a contested shot over the top, we'll, we'll, we will contest. That's very cool. And all this connects back to this too, which is uh, somewhat unique, but I know there's some programs that do this, but you, you trap all post entries. Yeah. As far as the ball, when it goes inside, we will go big to big uh, as much as we can. Uh, we, we have another trap that we do, but uh, we, we want to go big to big as much as we can. We, we don't want to let the ball out ball side and then we want to flood it like everyone else. But but we will trap um, trap the ball, uh, you know, on the post guy uh, as much as we can. And now are there some lo- location rules to that? Like if it's caught in a certain spot, we're automatically going. And if it's caught outside a certain area, we're only going off a dribble. Or is it just simplified in terms of big to big always go? And, and that is scouting scout report specific. Yeah. Uh, but but in most cases, we're just going to go on the catch. If a guy's getting it, if he's deep, we're definitely going. If it's a guy that we feel is not as necessary as strong off the block, we might not go. We could scrape ball side or do something like that. But But it would be based on the individual that we're trapping. Yeah, it's always interesting to see teams that trap in the half court. And does that philosophy come from experience or does that come from a little bit of knowing your league in advance, knowing what the things you have to do that potentially can hurt you? Or is that uh, just, again, overriding philosophy that's existed for years? That, that's something that, you know, um, it, it varies because I, I like um, at times at Purdue, we, we you know, we had a guy like A.J. Hammonds, uh, Isaac Haas, who were, you know, you're talking about guys who are seven, three or seven foot that, you know, A.J. was a defensive player to you in the Big Ten. Uh, we're going to live with a guy scoring over top of that. You know, I, I think it varies on your team. And 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 since we've transitioned here, I, you know, you look at it two ways. Obviously, if there's a guy who can score on the block, you probably need to trap him. To, you know, that guy's need help. But at the same time, if it's a guy who's not comfortable, if there's a big guy who's not used to being trapped, uh, he might turn it over. So let's be aggressive and, and, and knock them out of their rhythm. And let's be on point um, when the ball goes inside and get that quick trap and, and don't allow that split or that skip and, and, and make that big guy make a decision versus our trap. Do you find now in connecting all these things together from the transition D to the half court that you're basically teaching the same philosophy in the full court that you're teaching in the half court? Yes, you are correct. Yes, we are. You know, you just spend a lot of time on it because, as you know, Chris, the game is transition. It's ball screen D. You know, that on the defensive side, you have to be able to take care of transition D. And I know coaches, well, we work on it every day. Uh, and it's a very important part of the game. And then ball screen D. And and then after you, you're able to do that, what's the next thing? It's dribble containment. You know, it's, it's, it's dribble containment. And in our league, we have really good guards that you have to be able to keep the ball out of the paint and, and not allowing those guys to get in rhythm because we have guards that can just go make plays off the bounce and uh, they can score the basketball at a high level. When I think about Purdue, and especially during your time there, obviously you can think about you know motion offense or you know great spacing things like that. But you also think about the perfectly executed set. And I'm certainly been someone who's like tweeted one or two okay over the years for sure. Is that a philosophy that's carried forward in terms of what you do on offense now too? Yeah, we're a motion offensive team. Um, the the sets would. Um, Man, Greg Gary and uh, Michael Shrewsbury and Coach Painter, the stuff they they used to draw up, man, it was great. Because how, how we did it at Purdue, you know, you have offensive guy and you have a defensive guy and and those kind of things. And, um, you know, Brandon Brantley and I, when I was there, we, we would take the defensive 
portion and and and, and do that. Uh, but but the offensive side was was impressive. But I, I played in motion. You know, coach Coach Painter uh, recruited me to Eastern Illinois, and that's all we did at Eastern Illinois. Coach Rick Samuels was a great coach. You know, he was a great offensive minded guy, and uh, you know we that's all we did was run motion. We might have had a few sets, but we we're a motion team, and uh, that is what we do here. It's a little different in how we do things, as far as you know the screening action with the tight curl rays and, you know, the random ball screens. Cause when you have movement um, and then you sprinkle on a random ball screen with a dive and you're making the defense sink and you have an indirect and you have a, um, um, a, a hammer pass in the corner, you know, those things are tough to guard, you know, and those are the things that we do on a daily basis. And, you know, we try to spread you out with good spacing and, and play off those rules. You know, we, we, we don't want to handcuff the guys, you know, we, we have rules in our motion and uh, we allow the guys to play out of it. So in terms of those rules, like are, are certain players, do they have certain automatics? Like it's kind of a blend of, you know, going back to old mover blocker a little bit where certain players have these possibilities, but other players have more possibilities. Is that how you define it a little bit? What you know what, Chris, certain guys, you don't want on the perimeter as much, but, but for the most part within our offense, it's, it's all the same, you know, mm-hmm. it's position is basketball where, you know, we have guards screening for bigs, big screening for guards, and you have to be able to handle and read. And that's where the recruiting coming in at comes, comes in at where you want to recruit a certain kind of guy, you know, everybody, a lot, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they recruit skill for men or, you know, if, well, if you don't have that skill for men and you have to play two bigs and you got to come up with something else, but in with motion, it doesn't matter if you have two bigs, tra- traditional bigs, or if you have a skill for man, it doesn't matter. Cause if now, if, if we're on the same page, page with our reading as far as how the defense is is defending you you can make the correct read and uh, the right play and then okay if they're switching we have switching rules you know so now you got it you have to do something else if that's mean you're driving the basketball more than so be it but uh, you have to be able to cut and read and handle pressure and, and those things are important when you're running motion offense I have a few curious questions then. One with random ball screens, which you mentioned. Are there certain cues, like is it certain times where big little pairings are in certain positions? Is that the cue to be able to set it? Yeah, it, it is. And, and 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 what we like is we like the movement into it. If we can get an early catch and get the ball popping, getting it moving with pace and space, and uh, those are the things we want. And then if a big elects to come out, because it's not a call, it's, it's all read and reaction. So now as the ball is moving, a big is sprinting out to set a high ball screen or a side ball screen, um, depending on how the de- defense is defending it, we, we will read off of that. And that big necessary on his skill set like like you mentioned if, if it's a guy that can pick and pop and shoot threes as a big guy then we will do that and if it's a guy who, who who's better in a short row and then making a play with a drive or a dribble handoff we will do that as well but it's important for us to be able to handle the pressure make the correct reads and uh, to be on the same page within motion offense and and understanding that uh, at times you know you're taking over and building a program to understand that freedom uh, you, you have to understand what's a good and bad shot. And and we talk a lot about that as well. You know, you have to be able to understand uh, your skills, skill set and, and play towards your strengths. And and those are the things that, that we work on a lot from an offensive standpoint as we continue to build and work to get better on the offensive side. Well, I love this. I love this discussion and motion and uh, what that means for your program and tight curl rays. When you talk about tight curl, are these are these forced curls that that you want them to curl regardless of reads, or what do you mean by tight curl or raise? It, it varies, Chris. So, like okay. you mentioned, you said some some guys you want to tight curl, 
And then that's going to allow you to raise and get that catch. Um, we did not do that when I played Eastern Illinois. And uh, when I got back to um, – I was at Southern Illinois, then I came over with Coach Printer at Purdue. Uh, Rick Ray was assistant coach. who's was a great offensive guy. And um, he, he and Coach Painter came over with that tight curl raise. And, and it's, it's a great deal with the emotion because, like, you, you mentioned blocker mover. This is really not blocker mover. This is like five out and you're, you're, screen, you're down screening, you're back screening, you're flare screening. But when there's a down screen and a guy go tight off of that, that's going to allow the race. Now, even if the guy, they're switching that, think about this. So if they're switching to deny and I have the basketball and, and they're going to switch that, once you go tight curl and you raise, there's a space there that you can just drive the basketball. So we, we talk about that as well. But the tight curl raise is very important uh, within our offense to where we're, we're able to get a catch and move the basketball and, and play out of that. And uh, once again, if there could be a random ball screen set, we would do that as well. Well, and I know this is a part of motion. You've talked about getaway, and I'm assuming what you mean by that is respacing, which is players getting out of spots where they're in bad space. But the main thing is how big a threat this has become in the game, right? That a player who respaces properly and gets settled is often going to get rewarded with that next pass, extra pass, penetrate and kick. Can you talk a little bit about that philosophy? Yeah, and and, and with, with the screening action as well, let's say I'm down screening for you, you come with a, what we call a straight cut. You're coming directly to get a pass up top. And then that guy who's screened for you now needs to get away. Because at the end of the day, if I can get that catch and if for whatever reason they're called up where two guys are on one, we can hit you on a getaway with our spacing, that guy will have a random uh, open rhythm shot or three or a driving opportunity within our offense. But the spacing of it, you are right, is very important. Like if you're even running ball screen motion, whatever you elect to do as a head coach, um, you know, the spacing of whatever you do is very important. But we talk about spacing a lot um, and, and also the purpose of what you're doing. You know, the screening angle is important, you know, uh, where the guy is going to catch the basketball and if that's going to allow him to have a driving opportunity because of your spacing, you don't want to be hugged up. You know, we talk about, you know, you don't want to be on top of each other. So within the spacing, if I get a catch and I have opportunity to drive, I don't want you right next to me. So that's important for you to get away. Uh, and that's our terminology for our, our spacing, getting away. So that guy has opportunity to make a play. And if he doesn't have it, then he's not open. Then you move the basketball and then you go screen. And that's just good chemistry. And guys are, you know, they're moving with purpose and pace. And it's, it's a good opportunity to, to, to score the basketball. Hug up. Uh, one of the reasons I love talking to coaches like yourself is I just hear the phrasing and the terminology and it just automatically makes sense to me. That's just great phrasing. One of the other ones I love that you shared with me is uh, really pretty straightforward when it comes to player development and obviously your offense is if you can do it, work on it, do it. If you don't work on it, don't do it. It's pretty simple to be able to phrase it that way, right? It, it is simple, you know, and, and and part of the and I, Chris, we talked about the culture piece. You know, we, when you take over a program, you you want guys who love the game. It's not saying you got to just live in the gym. I, I was very fortunate to kick, uh, coach Caleb Swanigan and guys like Robbie Hummel. We want more of those kind of guys. And now as we transition here, we have a guy, Dede Grant, who lives in the gym. I mean, if you could if he could be in the gym, he's in the gym. And our thing is, if you're going to work on it uh, and you're going to go gain speed and you're going to spend time on your craft, we want you to have that freedom to, to, to make those plays. And, and, and that's what we talk about. You know, if you're going to spend the time in the gym and you're going to work 
work at it, then, then we're going to give you the freedom to go make plays. And, and, and guys embrace that. And, and, and we have guys now who are coming in. We have a morning shift or a night shift. Guys are coming in and working on their craft and, and guys are getting better. And, and, and those are the guys that, 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 that we want to have the freedom to go and make plays. Coach, uh, in connecting all these things together, then we've talked about your program, talked about program building, we've talked about offense, talked about defense, maybe. Just maybe bring us back to culture a little bit on some of the things that uh, you define or you help your players in terms of the sayings you use that bring all this together for them that uh, override your program. Well, we talk a lot about playing hard, playing smart, and playing together. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, you heard that before, but but we, we talk a lot about it and doing your job. Uh, at a high level and no excuses, you know, and, and, and play like a Red Hawk is, is what our, our theme is this year is that that embodies everything that I just mentioned. And if we can play hard, play together, play smart. And with that, where you're taking care of the basketball, you're, you know, you have a defensive mindset where you're tough and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to make it difficult for your opponent is, is how we want to play. And then offensively, you have the freedom to, to play. You know, we talk a lot about in the first seven, eight seconds, if we can get a, a layup or dunk, we, we want to take advantage of those opportunities. And, uh, you know, if not, then we want to get a quality shot each and every possession. And, and that's how we play. But 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 we have guys who, you know, who, who are embracing what we're saying. But we also talk about having two dreams here in Miami and obviously one through education, because that's very important. And then the other is through basketball. And those are the things that we talk a lot about with our guys and been more than just basketball uh, here. You know, it's, it's truly relationship driven. And, you know, hopefully it's a deal where, you know, guys are getting married. You know, we're invited to the weddings and, and those kind of things and, uh, you know, getting the pictures of their, of their newborns. And, you know, it's really relationship driven and, and want to have, you know, um, long lasting uh, relationships that are authentic and, and guys understand this is a great opportunity to be here at Miami and, and our goal is to win championships and 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 we have the we 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 have the means to do so and 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 this is a great place to attend school. You know, Oxford uh, is a great place and um, you know so it's a great recruiting location. We can get to a lot of places within one to five hours. And you know, you're talking about Ohio's a great state for for basketball and you know I can get to uh, Kentucky in two hours, Indiana within an hour and a half, hour and 45. We can get to Illinois within four to five hours, Michigan within four hours. So it's a, it's a great place to attend school. So it's a, we have a beautiful campus and great education, but, but I, but I do want to say, man, I, Thank you for bringing me on. And uh, you have, you, you know, you do a great job, man. I, I know a lot of coaches who, who listen to your podcast. And it's truly an honor uh, to be able to come on here and, and visit with you. I hope I, hope I help, uh, helped you uh, with, with this. But this, at the same time, man, I, I'm definitely honored and had a blast doing so. Well, you definitely helped, Coach. And I think so many coaches that are listening after you wrapped it up by saying, you know, like, I want to get invited to the weddings. I want to get pictures of the kids. And they can see how authentic that is in this whole podcast about that. And uh, I, I love that message. It's such a simple way of being able to define ultimately your success beyond winning is did you build those relationships? So thanks for bringing that home for us. No, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.